0: So one big theme of life that I have is definitely the title of this podcast. And that's if you don't respect yourself and you don't respect your life, how do you expect anybody else to respect your life? And one of the big things that I would definitely say came from my painful divorce many years back was knowing my worth. And knowing your worth is extremely important because guess what? If you don't know your worth, nobody else is gonna know it either. Nobody else is gonna treat you with respect. Nobody else is going to give you the fair treatment. Nobody else is going to hand you anything in life. And this is 100% absolute fact. I can tell you that when I started doing modeling, when I started having a lot of things go on in life, these were things that I had to know my value. I had to know my assessment. Because there will be people all the time trying to drag you down. There will be people telling you that you are worthless. There will be people telling you that you will never amount to anything, that you can't do things. And one of the keys to getting ahead in life is you have to be able to drown that out. And you're going to have to be able to say to people, screw you. I will do things whether you like it or not. And in fact, my mere existence is basically to annoy the hell out of you. In fact, that definitely was how it was for me growing up since I was not a person who came from money. I wasn't somebody who had connections or influence or anything like that. In fact, when I was going to school, I was in all these smart classes, but basically had people within these smart classes who hated me. And I think a lot of times they kind of had this attitude of, oh, well, you didn't deserve your position and... You might be smart, but you have less money than we do, so we look down on you and you don't have the nice fancy clothing from the mall and so forth, so you're lesser as a human being. In fact, when I was starting out in elementary school, I was put in special ed kindergarten. And I remember my mother telling me, and I don't even know how the heck I figured this out, but my the kindergarten teacher wanted to hold me back in special ed. And my father basically said, hell no, we're not doing that. So at my father's insistence, my mother ended up putting me in this religious private school that I went to for a couple of years, this Christian school. Which unfortunately in that Christian school, it was anything but Christianity going on there. It was sort of a classic example of Southern hypocrisy because when I went to that school, there were a lot of kids who came from money. And most of these kids had the attitude of, Well, you don't deserve to be here because you can't afford the tuition and you're not in the fancy clothes and all this And I also think it's an absolute travesty that there seems to be no financial aid for a lot of these religious private schools Because I think that would be beneficial and a great boon to people who would like to have their kids know something about a religion or basically go someplace where there's discipline and where academics matter rather than trying to coddle to the troublemakers I think that would be a great boon and that would actually be beneficial And to give you an idea of how regressive this school was I remember that my mother mentioned at the time The guy who was the principal said I won't have black kids at my school Now this was in the late 80s in North Carolina And in fact my mother said I can't stand this guy And this might have been one of the reasons Even though he's something like a fourth cousin In our family or something like this I don't even know all the details But I'm like honestly my life was improved When I went to school with black classmates I remember I remember in fourth grade, I went back to the same elementary school where years back they wanted to stick me in special ed kindergarten and a lot of the black kids, basically all the black kids were really nice to me and in fact, the teacher I would consider the most influential in my life was a tough, badass, old school black lady who did not put up with any shit. She was known for being strict. She did not tolerate mess in her classroom. She happened to like me, I think, because I was a well-behaved kid. She made the transition from my old school very... Very much easier than it could have been. And I wish she was still around. But unfortunately she passed away when I was in middle school. Although my mother did end up going to her funeral during the school day. I think to kind of pay tribute. And because I would have liked to go myself. But I know that this teacher would have been ticked off. If I had skipped school to go to her funeral. I think she just said no Monica. You need to be in classes. You need to be getting your education. She's definitely hardcore about that sort of thing. But nonetheless I went to this. Christian private school and you would think, okay, they're more academically advanced than the public schools. So how the heck are you going to do this if you're especially special ed and you're not as smart? But I ended up becoming an academic powerhouse and ended up getting like the highest GPA or the second highest GPA in the class. There was this other smart girl and it was like we were kind of neck and neck competition there. But I was like, I don't know how six-year-old me even knew about this or even had a conception of this of, you know what, you better be really good at this academically or you're going to get tossed out but I don't know, I did that For some reason it just came easier to me academically trying to do education and a lot of the subjects were things I enjoyed and I actually found school as my escape to be honest And it definitely was my escape from dealing with a lot of stuff going on in my household but it was also my escape from dealing with a lot of the assholes who bullied me And by the way, most of those assholes who bullied me were spoiled little white kids And this actually became worse when I went to middle school in 7th grade. Had to deal with the click bitches, as I call them. And most of those people were white, by the way. So yeah, not exactly somebody who was seen as one of us. As a natural redhead who didn't come from money. And you know who actually were my friends in those times? It was actually a lot of the black girls. There was a group of them in 8th grade, in fact. And one of them was a great friend of mine. Yeah, one of them was a great friend of mine who actually... I was friends with pretty much all those girls all the way through high school. Because I had this one friend, her name was Ceteria, who was freaking awesome. And she would tell off the teachers, did all kinds of stuff, and she wasn't really... I wouldn't call her a troublemaker, I felt like she was more of an intelligent rebel, kind of like myself. And definitely was the type of person who spoke out when there was injustice going on against her. Kind of saw that stuff. I even got the opportunity to help my friends later on when they pointed out that a health teacher was attacking them for behavior that these snotty little white girls from this little smart click were doing the same thing, but not getting yelled at for. And all I did was at their invitation, I went to the assistant principal along with them and I simply reported what I saw. It was the truth. So he was the one who handled that and I think they probably felt like well it's advantageous to know a quiet little smart girl who everybody respects and the teachers like her, they don't think she's a liar, they feel she's honest and all this so probably beneficial for them too but it was definitely beneficial for me because they actually accepted me and treated me with respect. They didn't treat me like some space alien. And to this day I don't honestly know where I would have ended up if those kids hadn't been around. They were the people who probably averted me becoming a school shooter at that time or even later on because they said, you know what, you have worth in this world and you have value as a human being and you don't need to let these bitches over here take that away from you. And that's definitely a life lesson that I have carried with me. It's something I definitely saw later on with my divorce and when I started doing modeling and my ex-husband got really upset about it It's like after that experience and when somebody tells you you know what you're not one of us anymore or you're not one of us in the first place and you were under a mistaken impression for many many years so get the hell out of my sight you kind of have to you know you have to appreciate that and you kind of have to realize okay I do have value in this world and you have to hang around with people who realize that yes you have value and whether people may have told you about this or not listener guess what You have value in the world. You just need to know what that value is and you need to use it in a positive way. I find it incredible there are a lot of people in the world who seem to think that they can abuse other people, they can engage in shitty acts, and they think people are all of a sudden gonna care about their lives. Guess what? They're not gonna care. And if you start caving to people who say you are worthless and say you can't do things, that is what you're gonna end up as. You can't do that. Basically, it's called self-fulfilling prophecy. It's a principle in psychology where if somebody believes the worst of you or they believe that you're not capable of something, then you're going to live up to those expectations. Whereas if somebody says that you are great and you can do things and you're capable, you will live up to those expectations. So basically, whatever expectations somebody has of you, that's what you're going to live up to. So this is why educators and a lot of people in psychology say that you want to have teachers who actually encourage you. You want people who believe in you in life. You need to have parents who tell you what your worth is, which basically means that you have personal worth, but it does not mean you are superior to other people. It does not mean you're a special snowflake who's beyond reproach or that you are the living embodiment of God. Because guess what? You're not. And I don't care what skin tone you have i don't care what genetic melody you have or how rare you are in the world if you're god then guess what the natural redheads pretty much have you beat because we're a one to two percent global minority i have even pointed this out to people in argument i'm like if you're thinking that your sex organs or your abundance of melanin make you god then the natural redheads do have you beat i don't think some of you are going to be able to walk to a I don't think any of you are going to be able to go to the county or wherever you go to get marriage licenses and have somebody tell you, you know what, you can't marry this person who looks like you because they assume you're related to them. That definitely has happened to me many times as a natural redhead. I basically would never be able to marry a guy who's also got red hair because everybody would think I was marrying my brother. I would probably have to bring genetic proof to say, no, this is a guy who is not related to me. And I find it incredible that it's like, oh, everybody thinks redheads look alike. That actually happened to me and even tended to be something, yeah, that even persisted through my senior year of high school. I remember when I was in eighth grade, there was another redhead in my class and she was dating this guy named Alex. And in fact, later on, he came out of the closet. That's kind of a separate story, but I remember senior year There was a retrospective about couples that was going on at our school's class picnic over in Tanglewood. And people put my name, whoever announced it, like said my name and this guy instead of the other girl whose initial was also the same as mine, her first initial. And I'm like, no, that's not me. That was the other chick. I had curly hair at the time. She had straight hair. Her hair was lighter than my hair. I don't know that she had a different body type. Maybe she weighed more than me because I've always been really thin and like everybody thinks I'm skinny even now. Even with the pandemic, I've probably gotten to maybe less underweight than I was. I remember walking down the street in New York and thinking I probably, I look like the anorexic chick from Girl Interrupted. I'm like, I didn't even have bulimia, I didn't have anorexia, none of that stuff to make myself look that way. I don't even smoke cigarettes. But yeah, somehow I look like the chick from Girl Interrupted or maybe like Twiggy in the 60s or something. I was wearing a size 2 H&M skirt. Some of those skirts actually do fit me now. I tried on some clothes recently, so I've lost more weight there. We'll see what happens. My metabolism might eventually even out. New York walking, New York food, dieting, that tends to be a little different than going to North Carolina where you are sitting around all the time. You take a car everywhere. Food is far less healthy for you. You can find healthy food way more easily in New York. I even cook here even though I get to cook healthier stuff here than I could at my mom's house where everybody eschews vegetables. And nobody wants to have the things that I like to eat. So I'd have to depend on making my own cooking. But nonetheless, I've accepted who I am and that took a long time. But you need to accept, and I think people should be taught this more, is that they need to know their value. They need to respect who they are. And they need to realize that regardless of what people say about them and what people might think or what their perceptions are, you can't be caving to that. You can't be listening to those people. You cannot be spending your time saying, Oh yes, I'm fat. I'm ugly. I'm unattractive. I am stupid. Whatever this is. You can't start internalizing that stuff. You can't be listening to those people. You cannot say, Oh, I'm a victim. I'm this. I'm that. No. You need to be thinking another way. You need to be thinking, You know what? I'm fat. So what? There are dudes who are chubby chasers who will love fat girls. You know, Sir Mix-a-Lot did an entire song about this. There's some men who love that stuff, you know? And even in New York, and definitely in New York City, even with the dating being crazy and me calling it dating hell, basically there's a lid for every pot. There's a pot for every lid, as they say, whatever it is. So however you want to interpret it. But there'll be people who will be into you. You can have all kinds of stuff going on. You'll find your match somewhere. You gotta believe that. There will be people who back you. There will be people who respect you in life, but you gotta find those people. That is where your challenge lies. And your challenge also lies with finding people who support you, finding people who back you. And guess what? If you don't have those people in life, you better start creating that for yourself. Because that's really the only person you've got in this world and that's really what you're gonna need is you. You rise, you fall, you live or die, based on you And in fact, I would definitely, I was thinking this today Because I've kind of had an abundance of good happen to me recently I'm like, I think basically some of this stuff has happened in my life And some of the things that have gone the way they have is just Me being pissed off and deciding no, I'm not going to cave to other people's perceptions of me Of no, I am not going to segregate my personality to go appease some law firm in order to work there in a job where I would be miserable. No, I will settle. I will hold out for the job where who I am is celebrated. I will hold out for the relationship where who I am is celebrated. Not stick with some guy who has a problem with me having an opinion in life or, oh, talks too much, whatever it is. I think you basically have to be very determined and say, you know what, I'm not settling for bullshit. I'm going to recognize bullshit for what it is. And I'm going to have that within myself. And I think if people did some of that stuff, they would have fewer problems in this world. And they wouldn't go around trying to tear down other people who do have those things. What some people need to be doing is looking at, hmm, what can I do with this positive example? And how can I use that in my own life? What can I do? What are the things I can seek out? Who are the people I can talk to to find that worth and kind of own myself in life? How about that? I also, yeah, I think that was kind of the reason I got out of my hometown and got where I did was I was just too freaking pissed off. And I think I was like, you know what? I'm not putting up with this shit. I am not going to deal with other people's perceptions of me. I remember when I was in college and I was looking for advice on getting a legal job. And in fact, I was talking to somebody about this last night. In fact, I remember reaching out to this one attorney who was licensed in New York where I wanted to live since I was five years old. I was a college student in Georgia at the time and talking about, okay, I want to live in New York. And she says to me, oh, just go to college in your hometown, go to law school there. You'll never make it in New York. You can't do any of that. So don't even bother. I feel like if I saw this person now, I'd have to say, you know what, I've been here for 13 years and I'm a licensed attorney. I even work in entertainment law, despite the fact that I don't have, I didn't have any prior connections. I didn't have family money. I didn't have any of that. So how do you like me now? I definitely kind of feel like a lot of times in life, you better be thinking, I'm going to prove this person wrong. I'm going to live my life just to go prove somebody wrong and just make them say, you know what? You're going to have to eat your words now. And I felt like that was a lot of my experience and probably still has been my experience now of I'm going to go through life and I'm going to make you eat your words. I'm going to prove you're wrong. I'm not gonna live down to your low expectations. I'm gonna rise above that. I'm gonna say, you know what? You tell me, oh, I can't do this. Oh, I'm never going to amount to something. Well, guess what? I'm gonna prove you wrong. I actually will rise up and do something better and I will do these things because I'm not gonna give you the satisfaction of winning. In fact, that is probably what kept me from actually committing suicide after my divorce. And dealing with being in the lowest period of my life I remember thinking to myself yeah I am not gonna let my ex-husband the sniveling mama's boy from Long Island or his bitch mother who's over here living in this house in Ronkonkoma I'm not gonna let these people defeat me you know this was a woman who basically had nothing but pessimism and misery going on in her life constantly complained about things She was somebody who apparently never fulfilled the dreams that she wanted to have in her life and decided to take that out on everybody else including her son and decided to play dream killer and tell everybody that they weren't capable of doing things. So I thought, yeah, I'm not going to let somebody like that win or tell me, oh no, you can't do this, you can't do that. She even apparently had words to say when hearing about my history and kind of how I got where I was and it's like, yeah. Good thing you weren't around and I didn't bother listening to you. Because if I had listened to you, I wouldn't have gotten any place in life. I would probably still be in North Carolina complaining about how I don't live in New York and how I'm miserable and unhappy. Probably end up trapped in some unhappy relationship. Never feel fulfilled. None of that stuff. Maybe even had a few kids. I felt like it wasn't fair to do that to small children. Felt like it wouldn't be fair to marry somebody and then be in an unsatisfying relationship and stuck in a town that I hated. I feel like that actually did happen to my father, probably accelerated or at least didn't help him in his alcoholism and some of his experiences. So I decided, nope, that's not going to be me. And that shouldn't be you either. You should decide what it is you're passionate about, what are the things you want to do, and then figure out the steps you need to take in order to do them. Whether you have mentorship programs, whether you have opportunities, whether you can do whatever it is you can do you need to take those opportunities you need to get that to happen and i feel like if you are going to do something like damn it be the best one you can be in fact i thought to myself if i had not made it and gotten to do the things i wanted to do i probably would have been the best vigilante you'd ever see or probably a very good criminal who would not get caught because i don't know i just kind of have that drive in myself of well if you're going to do something either do it right or don't do it at all i'm one of these people that's like stop with half efforts just Get it done correctly or don't waste your time. I actually had the privilege of speaking with someone yesterday who was trying to find out information about the legal world and wanted to find out about being a contract attorney. And I had a lot of words to say. And one of the things I said was this is not a profession where if you're highly sensitive or think you're a special snowflake or you're worried about people validating you or not hurting your feelings, this is not the field for you. Because you're going to go to court and you're going to have judges say very hurtful things. You're going to have to deal with opposing counsel saying really crappy things to you. You're going to have to deal with law school professors engaging in the Socratic method and the famous look to your left, look to your right. One of these people, one of the people next to you is not going to make it here. 50% failure rate out of first year law school. So it's like, yeah, that's not the environment if you want to have your feelings coddled to, if you're expecting positive validation or people to respect you it's not going to happen your respect is going to have to come from within that's just a fact so basically i would say yeah i would say i don't even know that there's a process to doing it but i think you need to realize that you in fact do have worth and you have to recognize that people say all kinds of shitty things they will do all kinds of shitty things but you have to know who you are you have to know your worth because if you don't know that, you're not going to have anything. And that's going to be the kind of stuff that makes you do really crappy things to other people. And frankly makes you morally reprehensible. Gets you into problems with the afterlife. Gets you into all kinds of problems. This is not the way you want to be. So hopefully, hopefully any of you listening will kind of take these words and you will think, You know what? I don't. It doesn't matter where I'm at. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. Damn it. I'm going to make things happen. I'm going to make this, I'm not going to get a defeatist attitude. I'm going to get myself up, dust myself, and I'm going to go do shit. I'm not going to make excuses. I'm not going to demand a pity party. None of that stuff. Because nobody's going to give you a pity party. Nobody's going to hand you things in life. You're just going to have to work for them. That's all there is to it. So hopefully, yeah, I definitely hope some of you will take these words to heart and you'll realize that it's important to respect yourself and know your worth because it doesn't matter who you are. I don't care what your skin tone is, where you came from, none of that. You just better be looking at what you'd like to do and how you're gonna get there. And don't let anybody tell you you can't. Don't let anybody crush your dreams because that's just giving someone way too much power that they really don't deserve.